Well, uh, if you do have a Bible, please turn with me uh, to Ezekiel chapter 36, the passage that we read earlier. And this evening I'd like to draw your attention to verse 26. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. The Lord says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And my title this evening is New Year, New Heart. New Year, New Heart. It's common, isn't it, at this time of year for people to make a a New Year's resolution. Perhaps uh, even some of you here tonight have, have done that in these last few days. I thought it would be interesting to uh, go online and quickly look up some of the popular resolutions for 2022 for this year. And you have all the normal sort of common resolutions such as heading to the gym after all the self-indulgence and gluttony of Christmas. Or you have the uh, increasingly popular dry January, the promise not to drink alcohol for a whole month. Uh, Perhaps another resolution that's... uh, in vogue these days is the desire to spend less time on social media or it's to have some kind of spending freeze and people make all sorts of new year's resolutions as you you look them up you'll see there's no end to the variety of the promises that people make at this time of year usually of course the idea is that you'll either change something that is undesirable in your life or you're going to seek to accomplish something that's good and and noble And so people are determined, aren't they, to turn over a a new leaf, to start afresh at the beginning of the year, to to be a new you, a a kinder you, you a more efficient you, or whatever it might be that you're trying to achieve. The idea, of course, being that once you've done this, you're going to be healthier and happier, you'll be a better person for doing it, and life will be better for doing it. And so people make these New Year's resolutions, And uh, there are many today who take this concept, don't they, of New Year's resolutions, this concept of turning over a new leaf and being a a better person. And they apply it not just to the start of a, a new year, but they perhaps make it a philosophy for life. They believe, for example, that by changing just a few undesirable traits, by modifying their behavior or by setting some noble targets, some sort of goal in the future, they they believe that this is going to make their life not just better for now, but that somehow this will ensure they're secure for whatever lies perhaps after this life. Perhaps there's someone here a little like that tonight. You hold to certain principles, perhaps they're good principles. Perhaps you work hard, you aim on being kind, You like to give out as many compliments as you can. You like to be generous. Perhaps you even put aside money for a charity. Perhaps you think that you, you know, we need to care for the environment. That's becoming a new one to add to the list of things that are deemed good and sensible and moral. And perhaps these things and and others perhaps in your life you believe they're going to guarantee you heaven or eternal life or favour with God if there is one. But when we read the Bible we encounter a a huge problem with that way of thinking. 
And the problem that we encounter with that kind of thinking is this. Man is a fallen creature. Man is a fallen creature. You know, back in Genesis chapter 3, we have recorded, don't we, that moment in, in history at the beginning when Adam and Eve, they fell and they sinned when they disobeyed God. They broke God's law and with, all of the, with that, all of mankind fell with them. Remember what Romans 5, 12, what Paul says there, he says, by one man, sin entered into the world. He goes on to say that by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. And by this one offence, death reigns. And the same apostle writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, states that in Adam all die. And this fall that's recorded for us in Genesis 3 it was not a partial fall. It was not you know, a bit of man that fell that day or a section of mankind that fell. But the fall of man was devastatingly complete. It was entire. And friends, this evening, this leaves us in a terrible predicament. We are all here tonight fallen sinners. And so complete and And so devastating and so entire is this position that there's nothing that any man can do or any woman can do or any young person can do to to reverse the fall. We're irreparable. We are totally depraved. We are utterly unable to change our position. And so turning over a new leaf is not going to cut it. Making a few resolutions at the beginning of a new year will not suffice. Changing the odd trait will not change our position before a holy God. Outward reforms will always still leave us as inward sinners. Sinners who are under the condemnation of God. We read that back in John chapter 3. But here in this verse before us this evening, here in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, the Lord outlines what we so desperately need. And the thing that each of us desperately needs, he says here, is a new heart, a a changed heart. Now I've pointed this out before a number of times, and I'm going to repeat it again tonight for clarity's sake that when we read of the heart in the bible we're not speaking of that biological pump within our chest that pumps the blood around our body nor does the heart speak of our, you know a person's passions and affections in that sense but rather where when we read this word heart here in ezekiel 36 26 it's speaking of the soul it's speaking of that immaterial part of us the the spiritual part of us When we read of the the heart in scripture, it it speaks of the totality of man's inner nature. And it includes a number of things. It includes our minds, it includes our memory, it includes our will, it includes our affections and our conscience and our reason. All of these are, as it were, faculties that are included within the soul. They're all organs, you could say, within the heart, within the soul of a person. And here in this verse before us this evening, in verse 26, the Lord describes two kinds of hearts. He describes an old heart and a new heart. And this evening I want us to look at these two different hearts with you this evening, the old heart and the new heart. And I want to begin with the old heart that is mentioned here in in verse 26. This is the, the heart that 
needs to be removed, the Lord says. This is the heart that needs changing and, and replacing. And you notice how the Lord describes it here in verse 26. He describes it as a stony heart. Notice what he says there, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart. This old heart is a a heart of stone. Now the word stone, it doesn't need a lot of explanation, does it? We all know what a a stone is. In the Old Testament, uh, the word stone can refer to something small that you can pick up and throw or hurl. You recall how David chose five smooth stones, didn't he, when he came to face Goliath. It's the the same word that's, that's used here. But the word can also refer to larger stones, big stones, stones used as building materials perhaps, or to cover a well, or even to seal a cave. Sometimes the word is used to describe stones that were set up as great memorials. And the Lord says here that man's natural heart, his old heart, his sinful heart, is like a stone. And so the Lord gives us this picture here of what our hearts are like, our natural hearts. And as I think there's a number of things that we could say about stones. And the first of these is that stones are hard. Stones are hard, aren't they? Stones are inflexible. Now, I'm I'm sure the, the young people here you've enjoyed playing with Play-Doh, perhaps. Perhaps you have uh, enjoyed getting Play-Doh, perhaps for your birthday, and it's great fun to play with, isn't it? And you get to squeeze it, and you can mould it, and you can have all sorts of fun with it, and you can make it into any shape you like. And uh, it's great fun, isn't it, to get that, get that, uh, uh, that Play-Doh and get out different tools and to push it through different things, and, uh, and it's great fun. And I think one of the really fun things about Play-Doh is you can get objects and you can push them onto the Play-Doh and leave an impression behind. You can get something like a coin and you can push it into the Play-Doh and see how the image of the queen is left behind on the the Play-Doh. But you can't do that with a stone, can you? You can't bend a stone or mould a stone or shape a stone or squeeze a stone. You, you can put a coin on top of a stone and push as hard as you like, but it leaves nothing behind because stones are hard. In the book of uh, Zechariah, Zechariah draws a similar picture and he uses a similar uh, picture to the one that's being described here and he, he describes how the people in his day how they were sinful, how they would not listen to God. And he, he says to them that they refused to hearken. They refused to listen to God. He says they pulled away the shoulder and they stopped their ears. They put things into their ears so they, they couldn't listen to God. And he says, yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone. And they did so lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts have sent in his spirit by the former prophets. They made their hearts, you see, like an adamant stone. And the Hebrew there implies it was the hardest stone you could possibly imagine. It was so hard. A stone that you, you, you can barely engrave or cut or shape in any way. And we're told today that diamond is one of the hardest materials in the world, if not the hardest material. It's even difficult to engrave a diamond. And the Lord says, look here, that man's natural heart, his old heart, it's, it's as hard as the hardest stone. 
It's impenetrable. It's inflexible. It will not be moved. No matter how hard the the preacher tries, no matter how passionate the preacher is, no matter how great the message might be, no matter how many warnings the sinner hears, it leaves no impression behind. In actual fact, sometimes the more the sinner hears, sometimes the harder the heart becomes. You remember, for example, the example of Pharaoh in the book of Exodus. Moses came to him, didn't he, with the word of God, but Pharaoh refused to listen. You could say, you could use that verse from Zechariah to describe Pharaoh. He stopped his ears, he refused to listen, and he made his heart like an adamant stone. And that's what he did, didn't he? We read on numerous occasions that the heart of Pharaoh was not only hard, but that he deliberately hardened his heart. He deliberately refused to hear God's word and he deliberately refused to heed God's warnings. And so we read, don't we, at the end that the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And friends, tonight there's a terrible warning for us here. The longer that we continue in our sin, the longer we continue with hardened hearts and the harder they become. And there may come a time when the Lord, he says, he no longer has anything to do with us and he hardens our hearts himself. He sends all his warnings, he sends all his pleadings, but there comes a time when he comes and he hardens your heart so that you can no longer hear the gracious invitations of God. Pharaoh's heart was hard like a stone. Some of you here tonight, you, you know what it's like to work with heavy machinery. You know what it's like, don't you, to... Um, perhaps buy a brand new machine and the first time you use that machine it seems so loud doesn't it and so so noisy and you you put on your ear defenders and perhaps the the particular machine it's quite a dangerous machine and perhaps you're nervous about using it to begin with because it needs skill it needs concentration to to operate it but as time goes on you get used to the machine you get used to the noise you no longer think it's loud You no longer think it's deafening, deafening. Perhaps you don't even put on your ear defenders anymore when you turn the machine on. And you've got so used to it, you don't really think about the dangers of this machine. You barely notice it as it thunders away. And friends, it can be the same with hearing the gospel. Perhaps once it thundered, perhaps once it was deafening, perhaps once you were were worried and you were terrified as you heard of, of what your sin deserves. But now it's nothing more than just background noise. Because your, your heart has become hard like a, like a stone. But I think there's a second thing here that we could say about stones. Not only are, are stones hard, but stones are cold, aren't they? We often use that expression. We say something is stone cold. And uh, it's so cold that when you, when you touch it, you just receive absolutely no heat. If you've ever lived, you know, in an old stone cottage, you know that it can be difficult to heat them, especially if you've gone away for a few days and you come back and the heating's not been on. It takes, seems to take forever to get the house warm again. It's not just because, you know, these old stone cottages don't have a, as good insulation, but it's because of the stones. And they don't retain heat, do they? They just, they, they just don't hold on to the heat. And you can place a stone even in a fire, can't you? And, and that stone can glow for a time. And you take it out, but it soon becomes cold again. And the sinful, stony heart is a cold heart. 
The sinful heart, it has no warmth for God's and the things of God's. There's no burning desire to worship him and love him. Sometimes there is such a coldness in the, in the sinner that he just has no regard for anything spiritual. You talk of the soul, you talk of eternity, you talk of heaven and hell, and you talk of Christ dying for sinners and so on, and it's met with little more than indifference. Because spiritually the heart is cold. And often such a cold heart, it, it laughs even, doesn't it, at the warmth and the fervency of a Christian. You know, they think that you're mad if you're a Christian here tonight for even coming here tonight. Why do you come? Why do you come and pray? You're, you're, you're nuts for doing these things. You know, religious excitement, they think, deserves only to be mocked. Perhaps I'm speaking to someone even here tonight. You, you're cold to the truths of the gospel. The name of Jesus Christ, it doesn't even produce a flicker of emotion in you. The solemnity of life and death and, and hell, it doesn't even cause a spark of concern. Because you're cold. Now perhaps there's been times, as we've said before, when the word of God did warm you. But like the stone, it was only an outward warming. There was no lasting fruits. No real repentance. You never turned to God. Maybe tears flowed down your, your, your cheeks as you, as you heard about the love of Christ, but then nothing. You soon return to being cold and indifferent to the Lord Jesus Christ because your heart is like a stone. Now we've seen that the stones are hard, we've seen stones are cold, but we could say thirdly that a stony heart is a, a heart that's dead. And again, this is obvious, isn't it? Stones are not living creatures, are they? They don't move, they don't breathe, they don't reproduce. They don't have any life, do they? You can do whatever you like with a stone, but you're never going to get it to speak to you. You're never going to get it to cry or to laugh. You can, you can say whatever you like. It's never going to jump up and down because they're dead. Stones are dead. They have no life. It's just in the same way you can... See a coffin, you can shout at a coffin, can't you, all you like, and ask that person to get up and out of that coffin, but they can't do anything. The dead person inside cannot respond, and so it is with a stone. Shout all you like at a stone, it will, it will just sit there. And the same is true of the, of the stony heart, it has no life, it's utterly dead and senseless. And remember tonight, we're speaking here about a person's soul. We're speaking of that spiritual part of us, the affections, the will, and so on. And the Lord says here it's like a stone, it's dead. You have no spiritual life, you're dead. And friends, tonight do we, do we realize this, that we're dead in our trespasses and sins, that you have no feeling for God, no love for him, there's no movement towards God. You're powerless, you're lifeless. Your heart, you see, is a heart of stone. And that's, friends, why we need a new heart. Not new resolutions, not turning over a new leaf. We need a new heart. That's what the Lord tells us that he's going to do here. He's going to put a new heart within you. That's what we so desperately need. And so we can move on to our second heading tonight as we look at this new heart that, that the Lord describes here. He says in verse 26, a new heart also will I give you. And this is the heart of the believer. This is the heart of the man, of the woman who's been regenerated. Those who've been born again, as, as Christ said to Nicodemus. 
And here in this passage, the Lord describes this new heart and he he states at the end of the verse that it's a heart of flesh. And we see such a contrast here, don't we, between the two kinds of hearts. The old heart was stony, it was hard, it was cold, and it was dead, but this is a heart of flesh. And we could go back through each of the three things that we just looked at. We go back through them in reverse order and notice the vast difference between this heart, this heart of flesh, and the heart of stone. The old heart, we said, was dead. But the new heart is living. It has new life. It has spiritual life. There's a pulse, the pulse of divine life running through this heart. All the faculties of the soul now have this divine life infused within them, this divine pulse. The will, for example. Your will is now like a plant that grows towards the sun, is bent towards God, it's growing towards him. The affections, your affections no longer are on this present world, but they've been diverted heavenwards. You now love God and you love Christ. And you have that joy of knowing sins forgiven because you have life. You see, whereas before the heart was inactive, now there's movement and there's energy. The child of God seeks to walk in the ways of God. Before there was only inaction, but but now the Christian pursues God and desires God's. When the heart was dead, it was powerless, but now the heart is possessed of a divine strength. A strength that comes from God, strength to serve God, strength to labour for the master. No longer does death reign, but life. And the heart of the believer breathes. Prayer goes up to God and we have a relationship with God and we talk with him because we have this, this divine life infused within us. There's a living, a living relationship. And so the heart of flesh is a heart with life but the heart of flesh is also a warm heart before we said it was cold it was stony it was indifferent before it didn't matter how the message came it didn't matter how severe the warnings nothing stirred and warmed the heart because it was cold but now the new heart that the heart of flesh it's it's known for its warmth and its feeling Once it saw no beauty, no no comeliness in Christ. Once it had no, no regard for the gospel. But now it cries out, whom have I in heaven but thee? And there's none upon earth that I desire beside thee. That's the cry of the warm, the heart of flesh. The new heart looks at Christ as he's dying on Calvary. And he sees, look, there is the, the Son of God and he's dying in my place. And it melts his heart and there's warmth, warmth for Christ. He sees that it's his sins that took the saviour to that tree. And so in response, this this new heart is overwhelmed, overwhelmed with with two main emotions, isn't it? One of just how awful our sin is, how awful my sin is. But it's also overwhelmed with the immeasurable love of Christ. and, And there's just love flowing to him. And so the new heart is now marked by this warmth. It's a warmth towards God, to his ways and to his laws. It's, it's marked by a, a warmth towards God's day and towards God's word. It's marked by a warmth towards God's people. That's something you notice about a, someone who's been born again. What do they want to do? They want to meet with other believers because they've got a warmth for them. The child of God loves the people of God's. 
And there's also a warmth, isn't there, that reaches out to the lost, those who are perishing in their sin, those who are hardening their hearts day by day. The, the, the new heart looks at those who have still got stony hearts and it has warmth towards them that they would come and they would find Christ. And so this, this new heart, this heart of flesh is a warm heart. But not only is it a living heart and a warm heart, but we could also say that this new heart is tender, it's soft. The old heart was hard, wasn't it? It was callous. It was like a foot that, you know, as you, the more you walk on your, on your feet, the harder they become. But no, this, this new heart, it's soft. There's a, there's a tenderness to it. You think of your conscience when you become a Christian, it becomes tender. When it hears of sin, it's easily pricked and it, it becomes so tender that you weep over your sin and there's repentance for your sin. There's also a tenderness to the word of God. The ear is open not only to, to hear the word, but to receive it, to obey it. Remember, Josiah was like that, wasn't he? In 2 Kings 22, he heard the scriptures. And we read there that his heart was tender and he humbled himself and he rent his clothes. There was the mark of a new heart because he was so tender to the word of God. And so it is for all those who have, have new hearts, they become impressionable. They can be molded like the Play-Doh that we were talking about. Impressions can be left behind. They sit, as it were, under the word of God like warm wax waiting for the king's seal. The word of God now shapes and changes them and they're flexible to the will of God. What a change it is from the old hearts. What a change to think of that stony heart replaced with this heart of flesh. And not only that, but with this new heart we read here comes a new spirit. Notice what it says there. A new heart will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. When the, when the old heart is replaced with the new heart, the Holy Spirit comes within. And it provides new motives and, and new desires. That the Christian now walks in, in God's statues and he seeks to keep his judgments. And you can read of all the blessings there that flow to the person who has this new spirit within them. What a, what a contrast, what a, what a change. And friends, tonight the question is, do we have this heart of flesh? Do we have a, a heart that loves God's? A heart that's sensitive to sin? A heart that's readily moulded and shaped by the word of God. Let me ask you tonight, do you repent of your sin? Have you ever repented of your sin? Do you love Christ? Have you ever loved him? Do you love the truth that he, that he died for your sins according to the scriptures? Well friends, is your, is your heart still stony tonight? Is it still hard? Is it still cold? Is it still dead? Which is it for you? If you have a, a stony heart tonight, let me just say that I have some good news for you and I have some bad news. And I'm going to start with the bad news. And the bad news is, is that there is nothing that you can do to solve the problem of your stony heart yourself. There's nothing that you can do yourself to change it. Nothing that you can personally do to change your heart of stone. In a spiritual sense, what you need is a heart transplant, but you haven't got the skill to operate on yourself. You can't do it. 
That's the bad news. There's nothing that you can do. But friends, let me tell you, there is some good news. And the good news is that there is someone who can. Just look again with me at the verse. Notice what it says in our verse. It says, a new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. The Lord says, I can do this for you. Friends, we, we're utterly unable and incapable of removing our stony hearts. But the Lord says, I can and I will. For all those who, who come to me and who, who trust in my son and repent of their sin. The promise is, look, Lord, I will do this for you. I'll perform, he says, in a sense, this great spiritual surgery, if only you would come. Friends, you need to come in faith to God. You know, faith changes everything. Through faith, God grants a new heart. You become a new creature in Christ. Old things pass away and all things become new. You're born again, born of the Spirit, born from above. The stony heart is replaced with the heart of flesh. What you need to do is you need to come. You need to bring, as it were, your heart to the great physician. Francis Ridley Havergal, the hymn writer, wrote a hymn where one of the verses says this, My heart to thee I bring, the heart I cannot read, a faithless wandering thing, an evil heart indeed. I bring it, Saviour, now to thee, that fixed and faithful it may be. Friends, let me ask you tonight, will you come in faith, believing, will you bring, as it were, your stony heart to the Lord and say, Lord, will you not grant me that heart of flesh? Will you not take away this stony heart? And will you not give me this heart that's living, that's moving, that's breathing, this heart that beats for you and loves you? My friends, tonight I trust that all of us at the beginning of this new year would have this new heart and this new spirit as you bring your sinful stony heart in faith to the Lord's.